to The Ron Hall Show, where number one New York Times best-selling author, movie producer, and international art dealer will entertain and inspire you. Here's your host, Ron Hall. Hi, I'm Ron Hall, and welcome to my show where we share the meaningful that makes life beautiful. And I just want to say Happy New Year to all of my listeners. We made it. I mean, it looks like we've survived 2020. And I actually, uh, I really want to thank all of you people that listen because you helped us make new and noteworthy of all the Apple podcasts. And that is a big shout out to you guys. But if I had to use just one word to describe 2020, I think the word survival would be the word of the year. If last year taught us anything, we learned to survive. We had to pivot. We had to adapt to the face of unforeseen challenges and, of course, some major life changes. But what better to ring in the new year than a conversation with an expert on survival? This is so exciting. But before we begin, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And also, please give us a shout out on. Uh, Facebook or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at The Ron Hall Show. And now, today's guest is the million dollar winner of Survivor One World in 2012. Her performance on the show was, held, was uh, hailed by Jeff Probst, obviously the host, and he did this on Entertainment Weekly. He said that it was the best single performance in, in addition to the grand prize she won a $100,000 bonus when she was voted by her peers as the most popular contestant, proving you don't have to be an a-hole to win. Not that the others were, but I'm just saying that you don't. But in 2020, she returned to the show's 40th season, Survivor Winner at War. She competed there against former uh, Survivor winners and she placed ninth. Now, she is in San Antonio, Texas, surviving three kids and multiple home renovations. As an in-demand interior designer, her very cool style has landed her on the pages of Southern Living magazine. A wife, a mom, and an all-around American woman who makes life beautiful. Welcome to the show, my cousin, Kim Spradlin-Wolf. Welcome, Ken. Happy New Year to you. I don't know if Happy New Year feels weightier this year than it usually does. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, it uh, it does make a lot of uh, difference in saying that this year, but I think this is one year that we wanted to get past us, and hopefully uh, 2021 that we are now enjoying will be a totally different experience. So, uh, But, you know, I follow you on, on social media, and at, at Kim Spradlin Wolf, and um, but I love your very cool style of decorating. You've always been multi-talented. I've known you since you were just a little bitty child. But I remember that you started your own business. You were started bridal shops like at 26 years old, and, and yeah. you worked as a river rafting guide. And and I know that you mentioned that on your claim to fame on your Survivor bio, which I know millions and millions have read that and know you. But do you think that you were just naturally born with a DNA for? surviving and for adventure oh gosh I don't maybe a little uh I do think it's 
part of my personality. I, you know, when you mention all the different jobs, there were so many of them. And I think, you know, one thing I appreciate about my parents that I feel like they did really well is they let me adventure. Mm -hmm. uh, they let me do some really crazy things that I'm sure at the time their friends were like, you're going to let her pack up and move to Nashville with a U-Haul at 19 and you're going to let her go to and you're going to let her go to Thailand and live in an orphanage. And, um, and so I'm grateful that they let me do that. I think also just moving so much growing up. I mean, we moved, my parents moved 16 times, I think before I had graduated from college and my dad was always chasing down, you know, the oh, next thing. So I learned that quality from them. And I do think it made me really adaptable and, and set me up well to play the game. Yes, of course, your dad uh, is a football coach and uh, has been a very successful and sought after football coach. And your mom is a fantastic artist and uh, who happens to be my first cousin. And my uh, favorite aunt is your grandmother or was your grandmother. She's now in heaven. And uh, but, uh, you know, we, we go way back and I, and I love this family connection. So uh, but in uh, back in uh, in hindsight, and say, aside from growing up with a dad who was a football coach and an artist mother, do you recall any events in your childhood that might have prepared you to win what is probably the most difficult contest in the world? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny. When I first decided to go on the show, I, of course, was just hoping not to embarrass myself or get voted out first. I never, you know, it was my wildest dream that it would go so well. And that I would win. But after you win, you spend time reflecting on it and think, you know, what, why did that go well? Um, and I think <laughs> a couple of things I feel like have been highlighted to me, which is, you know, I think having a sports background for sure helps. Mm -hmm. My dad had this way of, you know, we were, I think he made us very intense and very focused and very competitive, which some of that stuff I've had to unpack as an adult, but a lot of it's good. And I feel like having just that ability to grind through hard things, you know, and know that it's finite. I feel like that was something that, that helped me. I kind of went out there with this at the time, my dad's like, you know, motto for their football season was win the day. Um, and so that was definitely something every day that I woke up saying to myself, you know, just win the day, don't get too far down the road, don't look too far down the road. Um, and I think that was big. I think, you know, having to move so much, learning to be adaptable, learning to get along with other people really quickly, you know, as a middle child trying to be likable and sort of a mediator and not stir the pot. I think that helped me a lot too, you know, just to lay low and to, to deal with difficult personalities early on and, and to not feel the pressure to correct or say anything. I think that's <laughs> really well. Yeah, it did. Actually, it, it uh, got you a $100,000 bonus. <laughs> yeah, <I got> <laughs> that was probably the easiest or maybe the hardest hundred thousand you will ever make but uh it's keeping right. your mouth shut when you knew that maybe you it was a surprise that is for sure what it was i was not expecting yeah. that so. i ask a few of your fans to submit questions and the first question is who is your favorite sister <laughs> i wonder who that one's from <laughs> beth if you if you submitted this question it's you uh, Beth is my only sister and my favorite sister, but also my best friend, even if she wasn't a sister. <laughs> and I know that. Hey, but most of the others really want to know, how do you get hooked up uh, on Survivor? How do you get to be a contestant? Yeah, I mean, I, that's the main question I get asked on social media too. And for me, I just sent in an audition video. Of course, I was shocked when I actually heard back from them. You know, you feel like you're throwing something into outer space. But 
So on that side, I, I'm sure it takes a little bit of luck. I do think the casting department watches all the videos. So I think it's more about catching their eye and making it something that when they turn it off, they're like, we definitely want to see more of that person. So I think the more open and vulnerable you can be. And, mm. you know, if you're super funny, be super funny. If you're really intense, be really intense. I think it's just giving them 110% of you. So for me, I was super open and vulnerable and honest about my divorce, which was I was going through at the time. And yeah. um, I think that really caught their attention that I was willing to talk so candidly about that on camera. So, but there was no actual tryout, like if you wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader and you got to show up, line up. <laughs> Thank goodness there were no high kicks involved. I mean, there definitely is a casting process. You know, once they are on, they are kind of on to you. They they start to call and 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 ask you questions and get a better feel for you. And then at some point, they do have you out to LA, where you go and meet the casting yeah, department, yeah. and they they kind of you know get a feel. But it's long and it's drawn out. And I think when people get voted off, that's something that viewers don't understand. And this is any show where people are getting voted off. Bachelor, Survivor. Amazing yeah. race. There was so much invested in being there. It's not just as simple as, you know, now I'm voted off, so I'm going home. <laughs> so uh, it's just another question is, what would make you want to put your life on hold for so many months to be a contestant? So what was it that inside you that made you want to do that? Well, I think that's a great question. The first season, I decided to put my life on hold. My life at home felt like a mess. Um, and I'm excited about the adventure, the change of scenery, the change of pace, the escape. You know, I feel like I, I had sort of lost trust for myself in the last, you know, the two years being up to my leaving for season 24, which was now like 10 years ago. Um, and I, I feel like I sort of, you know, down a little bit for lack of a better phrase, but I, I did have a real clarity out there that I feel like is hard to get at home. You, know, you hear people talk about this that are in the military or on missions or whatever. You come, like you just see the world ends. I feel like on Survivor, you get to this new low that you don't get at home, not eating, not sleeping, being paranoid, not being able to love one. You get to the horrible place, of, you know, in the ditch. And, and I think this clarity comes with that, that own reward you know you you come back and you know who you are you know what you care about you know what you want to do differently um and I would say that's one of the things that I looked forward to about leaving for winners at war even though it was a lot harder to leave kids and leave my husband because I have this lovely little cozy life now <laughs> yeah um, I was it was it was good it was the same thing you know like it, it gave me all this clarity about you know, what actually matters. And you don't lose that. I feel like it's something you can always tap into or go back to when you need it. So yeah, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be to prepare your mind to leave three little kids and a husband to go put your life at risk. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it wasn't good. But we, yeah. we, we made it through, you know, and it did make us closer. And it did make Brian and I so better. It's, it's like surviving this year, you're making it through, we made it through. So oh. uh, and, uh, no, there's a lot of similarities to the pandemic and Survivor. I feel like it just in Survivor, we get to choose it. And then nobody got to choose to be a part of the pandemic. It just was forced on us, you know. But I do think there was a lot of clarity that came out of 2020 for people. So what island were you actually on and how did you get there? So season 24 was Samoa and Winners at War was Fiji. And, I, you know, now they film mostly only out of Fiji. 
I think they've kind of set up camp there and created like a little city there for production. But uh, we just fly on a plane and then it's, you know, planes, trains and automobiles to get you to the remote part and oh. drop you off with the clothes on your back. So when you got to the remote part, was it part of an island that was actually inhabited or was it a totally uninhabited island? Well, I guess the thing is, you know, uninhabited, I would say, minus the survivor production crew. Uh, but you don't ever really, you know, the the whole time I was on Samoa, I never saw anyone outside of a camera person or a producer, you know, yeah. so you definitely feel isolated. How isolated are we really? I, I guess we don't know. <laughs> had, had the cast met each other before you actually showed up on the island or before you left for the trip? No, not at all. So on Survivor One World and on a, a new player season of Survivor, it's 19 strangers or however many people and you're meeting them and seeing them talk for the first time on camera. So you have no idea who these people are, where they're from, what they're going to be like. Um, and that's funny. And of course, one of the main questions that I got from uh, a lot of your fans, uh, uh, not necessarily a, uh, asking you if you hooked up, but they want to know, is there actually hooking up going there on these Survivor shows or? Uh, Gosh, you know? I mean, uh, yes, I think there is just, I, I say that as a viewer, I've watched it at, like from home. I've never seen it in person. It did not happen on any of my seasons. And for the people that find the energy to hook up while they're <laughs> good for them, they have a better uh, sex drive than I do. Cause I feel like that's like, I can't even fathom it. It's like the first thing to go, you know, it's, Oh you yeah, like hierarchy of needs, and that is not one of them. That you're <laughs> so. yeah. Hey, well, take us through a twenty-four hour day as a contestant. What's it like being uh, on an island as a contestant? And so, uh, what are you doing when there's not actual tribal meetings or challenges going on? What What's going um, on then? It, you know, it just depends on the day, but that is a very interesting part of it, which is that it can be very slow and very boring. And that is one of the things that you sort of have to battle against in your mind. Like when they come in and say it's an off day, which means we're essentially doing nothing. You can hear, you know, the rumbling of curse words through the group because, you know, it's nice to have a distraction when you're suffering and, you know, challenges, tribal council, all of that is is a distraction from what's actually going on, which is I'm so hungry and so miserable and don't want to be here. <laughs> and so um, it can be slow. So it's just like laying around and talking. I mean, sometimes we all get bored and, you know, somebody will build a ladder out of bamboo and we'll try to climb to the top of a tree. And it's mostly just for entertainment purposes. <laughs> so lots well, of different things. Yeah, and of course, everyone wants to know, I mean, did you have to build a bathroom facility or... Did you oh. have to build a shower or, 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 or a latrine or? No, the ocean functions as all three of those things. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. It's, yeah, no bathrooms. There's, you know, you can dig oh. a hole in the ground if you want to, but most people just go in the ocean. Oh my gosh, yeah. So <laughs> you don't think about that, you know, uh, when uh, when you're going out and swimming with all the fish. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a glamorous answer. Yes, and all this beautiful water. Yes, I would uh, I would think that you would need to get a long way out and a long way Yeah, we, we kind of designate areas that are for that, you know, yeah. so people know, like, hey, if you're this down This is on the, the girl's side of the ocean and the boy's side of the ocean. Sure. <laughs> but I guess you obviously get to brush your teeth and take a no, bath. And do, no, do there's no teeth brushing, no toothbrushes. 
no, no way salt, no deodorant no tweezers no nothing no mirrors you i mean it's it's the real deal oh my gosh i you don't even think about that but i guess your <laughs> fans thought about that hey just, i'll tell you what we all smell really bad but we oh. get used to it and we just it's like a cattle you know, <laughs> were there luxury items that you could take and did you get to take a luxury item no they kind of stopped doing that. I feel like that was a big deal at some point in the middle. They always ask you what you would want it to be as part of the like preseason questionnaire, but I've never been given a luxury item. Yeah. Well, you know, as a child, I kind of grew up uh, with our grandparents on a farm and we ate, uh, we ate squirrels and rabbits and chickens and ducks and all those kind of things that were fried and served in hot gravy. But, uh, did y'all have to eat any wild things or things like snakes or other unknown foods that might gross out the average person? <laughs> sure. I mean, I yes, my seasons, the grossest things that I had to eat were an eel that I caught this last season, which when I caught it, it was huge. I mean, it was a, as big around as my forearm and probably like four or five feet long. We were so excited. Aren't they uh, dangerous? Oh, this, this one wasn't. I mean, yeah. I think they can bite. They have teeth, but wasn't like electric or anything but it tasted horrible like it took us an hour to get the skin off of it and I mean as we ate it it was so gross oh, but like no. you know we eat we caught a couple of baby octopus we caught um, we eat snails and crabs and really just anything you can find oh my god <laughs> it just sounds so crazy doesn't it yeah it, does. <clears throat> it does it always feels like a dream afterwards yeah what was the scariest moment for you uh on any of the shows yeah um I don't think this will be scary the way you mean it but it's definitely the first thing that pops into my mind was at the beginning of winners at war I just really didn't want to be there um and I think that scared me you know I mean I think as as an athlete and somebody who has been brought up to never quit it sort of felt like a trap you know mm -hmm. and I, you know my first season I was so excited just to be there I was taking it all in I mean I, I often will compare it to the first time childbirth versus second time childbirth when you know what you're in for it's not as exciting <laughs> you can't like unknow what you know and so I knew how miserable it was going to be and I just missed the kids so much it was debilitating like I couldn't talk about them I couldn't say their names I missed the two little ones birthdays in the first like oh, yeah, week yeah. And, a half. and I was just brutal and so I, I just didn't know if I was going to be able to get past it and, and really play. And that really freaked me out. So how long did you actually have to be away? Um, you're gone like basically eight weeks. Yeah. And I knew they were great. I knew they were in good hands. I mean, we have our family is amazing and everybody pitched in and made it as delightful as it could have been for them. But I just missed them. And that was making it really hard for me. I mean, I cried every day for, you know, at least the first 16 days. Were you allowed any weekly calls or letters or mail or anything? Oh, no. When you land, I mean, when I took the flight from San Antonio to LA, they take your phone when you get off the plane and you don't get it again until you're on your way home. Oh, no. Well, and then they came though, you know, yeah. they got to come for the family visit. It was the first time they had ever put the kids on the show. And so the whole family came out for the family visit. And that was definitely one of the wins in <laughs> yeah. getting to see them. And they, you know, Brian flew them to Fiji with the help of my favorite sister, Beth. And um, that was one of the best moments of my life. I will never forget it. I mean, I could cry now thinking about it, you know, it was so sweet. So. So did you uh, come up with a strategy for 
uh, for this the, for the last time that you were on, or did you have a strategy in the first time, or did you even know how to prepare a strategy? No, I think my strategy both times was to not have a strategy. Um, you know, having been a fan of the show and watched for so many years, I've seen the pitfall of having a plan. And, yeah. you know, so my, my plan was to be adaptable, to read the room, you know, to make decisions as they came and not have my mind set on anything in particular. I can remember watching a survivor with, uh, with your grandmother, uh, kind of when it first came out and she was so excited and all that. She didn't necessarily like the way you were edited. Did, did you <laughs> like the way you were edited? It didn't, you know, I, here's the thing. I've watched people be edited worse. And so I wanted to be grateful for what it was, which was not embarrassing. I think the thing that was funny for me watching it back was how, like, they just made me look, people called me a robot, you know? I mean, I think they made me look like I was all game, all the time, all strategy. And I really think what ultimately helped me win was the relationships that I was forming with the people that I went far into the game with. I mean, many of them I talked to every week. I mean, I would say many, a handful of them I talked to every week and have become lifelong friends of mine. Yeah. And I think it was those types of connections that, you know, made people will vote for me in the end. So I don't know how much it was my strategy and gameplay. I mean, I'm sure that helped me get to the end, but I think it's more about, you know, engaging with people and enjoying being around people. So a, a lot of people, I guess, uh, would consider it acting on there, but do you think that most people are acting or are they actually being real in who they are? Oh no, I think it's very real. I think, you know, you, you would like to think you could act, but again, when you get deprived of like all your creature comforts, you yeah. do quickly forget about the cameras and they film you 24 seven. I mean, they film you while you're sleeping. So you do just at some point kind of forget and you're trying just to win, you know? Yeah, I think the part that's acting or that's inauthentic is whatever people are choosing to do or show to try to win the game, you know? Well, I know that some people want to know do you actually have to lie to win or maybe just alter the truth a little bit? Or could you be 100% totally honest and still win the game? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure, you know, here's the thing. When you go back and, and look at all 20 seasons, 40 seasons, whatever, um, 20 years, then you see some anomalies, you know, like every once in a while, something totally new happens and a person wins in a way that nobody's won in the past. So I'm sure it's possible for somebody to like sneak by in some weird way, being honest and win. But I think if you really go to play the game and you know what's going on, I don't think you can, you can get to the end without lying to anyone. It seems impossible. Yeah. Because on the reunion show, you placed ninth and went out, I know, a lot earlier than anyone expected because I think uh, a lot of people were counting on you to win again. But I think everybody on the show obviously wanted to win. So they had been previous yeah. winners. But uh, do you think uh, in hindsight that uh, you would have done things differently that might have kept you in the game a little bit longer? Gosh, I think the things that, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, upon returning from Winners at War, I laid awake a lot at night thinking about all the things I could have done differently that might would have helped me win. But I do think it would have been really hard for me to win. You know, I think it went really well for kind of like how I feel like things were stacked upon the start of the game. I think in a returning player season, it's totally different than 20 strangers. In a returning player season, 
you've got all these relationships, all these people that know each other. You've got people that are best friends or godparents to each other's children who have known each other for 10 years, you know? Mm. And so there's all these conversations that are happening before the, the cameras ever start, you know? And I was not a part of any of those. And I intentionally made that choice not to talk to anyone before it started because I felt like it could hurt me as much as it could help me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely think people had sort of, you know, formed some pregame alliances that came into play day one and, and that mattered. So do you think that a survivor today is uh, more or less difficult than it was uh, in 2012 in Samoa? You know, I think it's both. I think physically and just the raw state of the game, I think was more difficult. I think they were willing to allow people to suffer more early on, like to actually get eaten alive by things and <laughs> really, really starve. You know, I think it yeah. was, it was a, a, a raw version of the game. So I think that part was harder earlier on. I definitely think strategically the game has evolved in a way that makes it a lot more difficult to win, especially if, you're smart or really strong or kind of a standout in any way. Um, I think it's hard to, to jump in and win. So. Uh, well, just, I guess in, in both seasons that you were playing, I mean, uh, did you do any kind of preparation before you, uh, before you went, I mean, mental, physical, any kind of uh, meditations or working out or anything yeah. like that? The first season I was so, you know, single, no kids. It's a totally <laughs> different. Yeah world I went to like academy and like walked the aisles and I was like I've seen these things you know I've seen a grappling hook before so I would buy that I'd buy a rope I had a bow and arrow I had all I had like a training arena set up where I was like doing all these little things making fire mm. the second season I think I realized how important it was to be mentally prepared in a different way and I I mostly wanted to enjoy my time with my family so that I would could go in in a good space there and then I also just spent a lot of time trying to quiet my mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I stopped working a few months before I left for Winners at War just so I would have some space to think. And I still think that was probably the best thing I could have done. Hmm. Well, I know that um, this year has been very challenging <laughs> for a lot of our listeners. And uh, I was wondering if you found any uh, lessons that you learned from the show and surviving that... Uh, that could help our listeners getting through the challenges uh, of this year? So, No, I think that's such a good question. That's something I've been thinking a lot about. And I know I said this earlier, but it's true. I, you know, I found myself comparing 2020 to Survivor and there are a lot of things, you know, that have been similar. I think that the being adaptable thing has been a big one. The not knowing the future has been one that, you know, that's something you experience a lot on Survivor. Like you really have no idea from the point you know, of the casting process to not, to having to wait nine months to find out if I won or didn't win when I would watch that live on national television the first oh, time yeah. around. You know, that was really hard to not know. And I know people are are living in that day in and day out right now, you know, sitting in that, that having to wait and, and to find some, you know, to, to find some hope or or just peace and, and not knowing what's around the corner. I think that's really difficult. And then I feel like the other big one is just finding the, these, you know, these, this, the clarity, you know, like we were talking about earlier, um, who am I? What do I want? What do I actually want to be doing? Not what am I capable of, but what do I actually want? And I feel like 2020 has sort of like created space for us to think about those things. You know, it's almost been a quieter 
way of life, at least it has for us. And so I think there's a lot of good to be gleaned. Yeah, you know, I guess most people don't realize that from the time you actually show up on the island until you find out whether or not you won, that's nine months. Is that what you just said? It was actually closer to a year. Wow. And so you have to, I guess, uh, maintain that you don't really know what's going on for months when you get back. Totally. Yeah. And you, you know, you sign an NDA. And so even coming back from winners at war and not being able to tell people that I didn't win, that was also hard for me because as you know, you've got all your friends and family, like, we know you won, we know you won. And you're like, no, you see me get my ass get voted out. What was your uh, make or break it moment on the show? Did you have one in particular? No, I really didn't know. I will be honest with you. The first moment where I thought, I think I'm going to win was at the final tribal council. I'm sitting there with Chelsea and Sabrina. We're the final three. And, you know, I've seen a lot of seasons of Survivor with a bitter jury. So like people go back, they're mad. And I was kind of masterminding everybody getting booted. And so I knew that either they were going to be like, hey, hats off, you got me, or like, we hate you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's sort of a toss up, you know? And I think the people on the jury really are the ones that set the tone. They're the ones having the conversations. They're together all day, every day, you know, waiting to come in and cast a vote for who they want to give a million dollars to. And the first few people that got up, it was more of a a vibe of, hey, hats off, you played an awesome game. And I think that started to, that was the moment where I was really hopeful that I was going to win. And when I got home and uh, my sister picked me up from the airport and I got in the car and they were like, well, and I was like, I think I won. (laughs) (laughs) That was that, you know, and then having to wait, I started to question it. uh, And, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. Uh, For winners at war, I was concerned really early on. Um, And then as I, as I kind of hung in there and some things started to go my way a little bit, I was like, I think I can pull this off. Uh, But I was always skeptical. And I was always, you know, super unnerved by the people I was playing with. I never trusted anybody I was playing with. I never had a person uh, the same way that I did in One World. And so, I mean, the day I got voted out on Winners at War, I was 99.9% sure it was going to be me. You know, they always yeah. want to look like you were surprised. <laughs> I was not surprised. I, I told when we were leaving the beach, I said, I'm sure this is it. You know, the producer Well, of course, like, oh. you were showing up with all winners that expected to win. So no yeah, one came there to expected to be a loser. Exactly. And they had had that experience before. I think that was unique. You know, everybody out there has knows what it feels like to go out and be the one that wins. And so you're playing against a bunch of people that really believe in themselves like that. And that's different too. You know, I know you said that uh, your reason for being on Survivor was to be able to step away from your little world and challenge yourself. Now, it's the beginning of a new year. Thank God for 2021 now and after all the things that happened in 2020 uh, there are some of us that really need a positive change what would you say to people today who are embarking on their own journeys of transformation what a great question um i would say this you know people ask me a lot of times that air more on the side of you know not being risk takers like how do you how do you put yourself out there how do you take such big risks and I think my my best answer at now almost 40 is that every time I've taken a risk, it's paid off. 
even if it doesn't look like it paid off, you know, like even if it's a messy result, you know, the things that I thought were the worst moments of my life where I felt like everything was falling apart, I now would say have been some of my greatest growth experiences. They've made me who I am. They've landed me where I've landed and I wouldn't want to be anywhere different. And so I think it's made me highly uh, likely to take risky choices and make you know, especially when I'm feeling in my gut or in my spirit or, you know, whatever you want to call it in my heart, like when I'm feeling current or movement on something, I just go with it, you know, because those are the moments that have landed me on survivor. Um, and in a great marriage and, you know, I'm now off on this exciting new adventure with my career right now. And I'm like, it's taken a lot of, you know, putting things out there, you know, making myself vulnerable, being willing to fail. And so I always encourage people to do that when you have a, you know, a thought or an idea or a feeling that you feel some clarity on that it's something you really want, but you're afraid of the result just to do it. I don't see any way that it, that you're not glad later, even if it doesn't work out. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of funny. We talk about your new career now as in, in the, in the, home industry of designing and remodeling and doing all those kind of things. And in your designs, I just have a little funny question here. Do you have a lot of animal prints and jungle themes? I do. I love animals. I always <laughs> have. Like, I'm just like, an, I'm a nature girl. And I do love bringing the outdoors in. And there's an animal in every room I do, whether it's like a tiny brass monkey or, you know, jaguars and wallpaper um, so yes, I don't know if that was meant to be a joke or not, but that well, is definitely a my No, it wasn't meant to be a joke, but it, the, the thought occurred to me. I mean, you spent so much time in the jungle that maybe that yeah. is uh, something that you learned to love. And yeah, uh, it's actually super peaceful and beautiful out there, laying under a you know a palm frond thatched roof. So I I do miss that sometimes when I'm at home. Yeah, did I guess when you finally landed back after that first uh, Survivor One World. Uh, and you finally landed back uh, on solid ground in America. What was that like? Did you did you come back a changed person? Definitely. It was weird. It was eerie. You know, I remember walking through the airport and being like, "These guys have no idea what just happened." To me. <laughs> um, and then you kind of lose it, and it's a little sad, you know, when you start to get normal again. You're like, "Oh, I kind of miss being weird." Um, but I think you take the best parts with you. You know, you can kind of tuck them away and remember on a rainy day how yeah, it felt. How, how long does it take to kind of get back to normal from that long kind of experience? Time. It takes so much longer to get back than you would hope. I, I think physically, it's such a butt kicking. I mean, you know, you go refeeding syndrome and you get all swollen and all weirdly, you know, puffy. And it takes a long time. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And then mentally, I think same. You have so many things that you have to unpack from the experience if you want to be healthy, which I always do. Um, and I overanalyze and overtalk everything to death. So thankfully, I had a life coach to do that with after my loss at Winter's at Four. Okay. Was there uh, a moment on the show, on either show, that where you actually surprised yourself that you were able to do something that you thought you could have never done? You know, I think. If I had to say something surprised me on winners at, on one world, it was just that it was going so well. You know, I think I continually felt surprised by that. I felt surprised how much flow and favor and ease there was to the whole thing. I mean, I think it made me even wonder, 
you know, is this real or am I, is my perception off? You know, I just, the whole time I felt there was nothing I didn't know, you know, I mean, even in hindsight, walking back, there were no surprises. Um, I don't know about winners at war. I think it's maybe the opposite on winners at war. I felt so confident to go. I felt really good that I was supposed to go and that there was a reason I was going to go. And then the day it started and I realized that I was in the poker alliance and everybody wanted to vote me out. I was like, oh, this is not going well at all. And that was such a new experience for me, you know? Um, so I think the people that had played four and five times, they have a hand up because they know what it feels like to get voted off. They know what it feels like for it not to go well. And so I think that was my first experience at being out there and it not being good. So that wow. was new. Well, uh, our listeners uh, and actually your fans that are submitting a lot of these questions want to know what is something that they may not know about you. So they want you to surprise them. Our listeners today want to hear a surprise that we may not know about you. So. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> what do people not know about me? Oh no. I feel like this happened last time and my mentor was sitting there and she was like, what would be a good answer to that? Let's think through it. Now I can't remember what we said. <laughs> um, I think that maybe the thing people don't know about me is that, you know, I think that my friends that know me really, really well describe me as kind of being pure and simple and kind of sweet. And I think at some point, along the way, as you're becoming an adult, I got, you know, maybe more like intense and competitive and sarcastic. Um, but I think deep down, those are like things I'm trying to gravitate back towards, you know, like, I feel like there is this childlike version of me that is more whimsical and, you know, just kind of wants to have fun. And so I, I think as I'm coming out of my 30s, that's the thing that I find myself wanting to, to focus on, if that makes sense. So oh, yeah, it does. An sincere and introspective answer, but that's the first thing that pops to my mind. Yeah, I was. Uh, uh, it was also people were wondering. I know that you've been athletic all your life, but when you're on the Survivor show and things are not going, are you actually doing any kind of physical workout? Or are you just trying to mentally uh, lay there and prepare yourself for what's getting going to happen next? So. Yeah, once the game starts, you're trying to conserve any energy that you have. So I've seen some like crazy you know, meathead type guys do pull-ups and stuff like that. I'm like, you're nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to, to use as little energy as possible. Once, you know, up until the point that you start, you're definitely working out. And then as soon as it starts, you're trying to save it all for the challenges. So are you now part in the, in your life is uh, being physically fit and working out? Is that part of a, a normal life for you now? Yes, I'm glad to say that it is. I've definitely been through seasons. I mean, having three babies in 24 months, I there was a, a quite a large chunk of years that I didn't work out. Um, but right now, I'm I'm going almost. I've become a morning workout person, which shocks me. I would have never dreamt. Um, but I think it's you know for me as I'm aging, like being fit was always such a part of like who I thought of myself to be or to be athletic. I guess that's a better word than fit. And so I, I don't want to lose that, you know, as I age, I feel like that's part of my identity. And I just like feeling spry, like when I run down a flight of stairs, or I like feeling if somebody captured me that I could escape. And so I'm trying to hang on to that quality <laughs> as long as possible. 
well here. I know that uh, we all consider ourselves this year survivors. I think every single person in the world is now a survivor. And I guess uh, maybe we're struggling with health issues. We're struggling with being afraid of, of COVID and, and all of those kind of things. But here, as we, as we go into the new year, uh, do you have any uh, advice for us mere, mere mortals on how we could be uh, in better health and, and be more fit? And be more fit. Yeah. I mean, I want to be thin in the waist. I'm not the right person to give advice about being fit. I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm all about the balance. You know, I think, I feel like the things that have gone wrong for me when I'm like too fixated on, you know, being on something that feels really strict and hard. I think I've realized the things that work for me in my life are the things that are realistic. And so being realistic for me looks like I try to eat pretty healthy, like 80% of the time. But if I want to eat pizza or chocolate chip cookies, I do. And then I try to work out as much as I possibly can. But if there comes like, you know, busy season where it's hard, I try to cut myself a lot of slack and have a lot of grace for myself too. You know, I think it's that harsh voice inside that's being so strict that, you know, is how we kind of do this roller coaster version of it in our lives. I feel like if we can find this happy middle ground where, you know, we can realistically live, we can do it for forever or for a long time. Yeah, Ask well, I, I try to. I mean, of course, I've, I have a much younger wife who works out almost every day or does some dance fitness. So she uh, is constantly encouraging me to get into the gym and do things. So I never worked out in my life. Uh, and I was always kind of physically fit because I was always so active. But now I have to make an effort to to get to a gym and do all the kind of things that that you need to do to uh, be physically active at, at age 75. And uh, I am uh, I'm feeling great. I mean, actually, I feel as young as I uh, as a, like a 40 year old. I, don't, I feel no different. And but I'm thankful that I that I stay active and and, and work out and that makes me feel young that I can still do all those kind of things so I do totally agree that's what I was going to say if anybody needs to be telling everybody how to stay physically fit for the long haul it's you and Beth <laughs> <laughs> well anyway hey, what's on your bucket list you had such an exciting life and now you're raising a family businesses and you've got so much going on in your life so much talent so much enthusiasm such beauty I know that probably I would have thought here. Here was my guess, Kim. When you first came back from the the fir- winning the first one, and you were so popular, you were known all over the world, and you were so beautiful. I just thought that you would have a lot of uh, people in Hollywood pursuing you for acting jobs because you proved yourself to be a great actress as well. Did, did that happen? That did not happen. I wish that was another uh, alternative version of my life. That sounds really lovely and dreamy. No, I think, you know, I got married and had three kids literally as fast as was possible, which really was the dream. I mean, that was what I wanted to do. And I kind of lost sight of that in my 20s and through my first marriage and divorce. And so that was, I I look up now and I'm like, I'm so glad that we just jumped right in and did that. But it also feels like the lost years, you know, it's kind of like Mm. coming out of a movie and it's like light outside and you're like, what happened? Um, So I feel like we're kind of emerging finally as our youngest is about to be five and we're like what do we want to do um i am about to start filming 
a major home renovation show here in San Antonio this spring with High Noon Productions, who oh, is great. Yeah, so we're we are about to tackle that. We're going to be doing seven, you know, major home renovations in the San Antonio area starting this spring. And so I'm right now just trying to gear up for that. It's, I mean, I know it's going to be a total ass kicking, but we're super excited about it. So, so what's what's the name of your show? I do, it doesn't have a name yet, okay. uh, and, and if it did, I don't think I would be allowed to say it. And it's yeah, but we can we can follow and keep up, I guess. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm posting about it on Instagram as much as I possibly okay. can. I mean, right now we're still in the casting process um, and and you know, kind of ironing out all the details. But this is definitely something that's been on my bucket list for a long time, and uh, so I'm excited to to get going on it. Yes, but on on Instagram, you are at uh, Kim Spradlin Wolf or at I Kim. I am. Wolf? I am currently at Kim Spradlin Wolf. Okay. Well, I want to follow that because I, uh, if you have a premiere, would you invite me to the premiere? Absolutely. Yes, Beth and I would like. We got to go <laughs> to the on premiere. Invite list. When we were working on our film in L.A., we got to go to the premiere of the 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 last season of. Uh, Mad Men, and that was very that, exciting. So that's so cool. Okay, for one final the bonus round question here, several of your fans wanted to know: Would you ever consider being a contestant on Naked and Afraid? No, <laughs> I would not. Yeah. So that's a crazy um, show. Um, Survivor is like summer, yeah. Survivor is summer camp compared to Naked and Afraid. There's, yeah, no, it looks horrible. Yeah. I, I mean, it looks like an absolute nightmare to me. So, but for someone who would actually like to be a contestant on even Survivor or a show like that, and what is that one piece of advice that you could give someone who actually has a deep down desire like you did to be a contestant? Yeah. My honestly, my advice is just to apply because I think so many people talk about how they want to do something and they, for whatever reason, never take the step to just make the video and send it in. And that's something I learned from my dad is to put the ball back in their court. And so until you send in a video, you can't know if they're going to have you on or not have you on because it's just, you know, you're keeping it locked inside. So I would say just send in the video and then you'll see, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen. You're not going to hear back from them. Well, fine. <laughs> you yeah. can do something different. So I guess we're kind of running out of time here, but it has been absolutely so much fun to finally get you on the show. You were actually the first person that I wanted on the show because you were my most famous uh, friend and family member, and I wanted you on the show a long time. I know your busy schedule has kept you uh, from being able to do this, but I'm so happy now that you are at my first show for 2021 because we needed somebody to represent all the survivors of the world, and you are the best person I know to do that. So Well, you are my most favorite and famous family member as well. I'm so glad it finally worked out. I'm sorry it took us so long to connect, but I'm super honored and grateful that you wanted to have me on. So it was a blast. Thank well, you. I'm I'm excited and uh, our listeners are going to be so happy and I'm sure we're going to get a lot of response and I'll stay in touch with you to let you know uh, we may have to get more questions from all the uh, the people that are going to be listening to this around the world. And so I may have to uh, post some of the uh, newest questions and maybe some of your uh, answers. So I, I look forward to, to staying in touch on that. And I'm really excited about your new TV show. So uh, stay, stay in touch with us about that so we can keep posting on our show an update on that as well. So I totally will. And now 
I'm about to do something for you that the devil ain't never done for you. I'm fixing to cut you loose. But until next time, vaya con Dios, my friends. Well, I'll tell you that life is great, life is great, life is good, life is beautiful. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Write and review this podcast and please share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.